Hello and welcome to Cosmos Science Daily, where journalists at the Cosmos Newsroom report on the latest research and discoveries and explain the science behind the headline news. Today's newsroom journalist and biology graduate specialising in the human microbiome, Matilda Hansley-Davis, is talking to us about using fungus to fight crazy ants with yours truly, Dr. Sophie Calabretto, applied mathematician and fluid mechanist who accidentally knows what ants taste like. So today we're going to be talking about crazy ants, the great ant war, surviving the ant apocalypse, and the good news about killer parasites. So first up, Matilda, I am so excited. Can you tell me what exactly is a crazy ant? Yes, I can, Sophie. So the tawny crazy ant, to give it its full name, is an invasive species in the southern United States, so Mm -hmm. states like Florida and Texas. They're originally from South America, and they got their name, the crazy ant, because they move in these really kind of rapid and erratic patterns on the ground compared to apparently most ants tend to move in more of a straight line. Right. So we we looked at these ants one day and went, oh, they're just being a little bit nuts. And then that's how they got their name. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. like That's what I choose to believe anyway. Um, but this particular species of crazy ant is also sometimes called the raspberry crazy ant. Um, not because they're red or they like live on raspberries or anything, but there was actually a guy called Tom Raspberry who, <laughs> who was an exterminator in Texas who was the first to observe this species of ant in the U.S., back in 2002. Okay, so this is my favourite story already. So we have these ants that are slightly weird in the way they walk and we went, oh my gosh, they're crazy. And then it turns out you can call them the raspberry crazy ant, but not because they have anything to do with raspberries. There was just a guy called Tom Raspberry. But he observed them in 2002. Are we still discovering ants in 2002? Like that's quite recent, isn't it? I mean, it it all depends on your perspective, right? Um, I think they were first observed kind of in the US then. I'm not sure if people in, in, you know, maybe their native range in South America probably knew that they were there, but yeah. Um, Okay, so why are these crazy ants a problem? Because obviously they are if we're going to get to an apocalypse and a war and and some things after this. Yeah, very very astute of you. Um, So (laughs) basically there's too many crazy ants is the main (laughs) problem. Um, So as I said, they are an invasive species in the US and they are present there in pretty huge numbers. They'll swarm and kill native insects and spiders, even some bigger things like uh, young birds and mammals. And so they're not very good for the native ecosystems Mm -hmm. there and they also can get into people's houses and so like you'll have maybe wake up one day and the floor is just covered in ants or you know your electricity goes off because there's ants nesting in the walls and they've you know destroyed the wiring or things like that so they're a pretty big issue for people living in this part of the world that actually sounds terrible when you said there's too many of them I was like yeah okay that makes sense there are too many of them and that's a problem but yeah it's not funny if they're killing all the native wildlife and then destroying your houses So this is a bit of a loaded question, but everything that we talk about normally seems to be the fault of climate change. So I just want to know if these ants getting out of control are also a result of climate change or is it just something completely different this time? Um, I can't 100% rule out climate change because, you know, we've seen that it really gets its tentacles into so much around the world. But as far as I know, I don't think that's the main reason. Um, One of the reasons that 
the crazy ants are such a big problem is because they're a bit unusual. They form these things called super colonies. Mm. So a lot of ant species will form sort of smaller colonies, like they have a little community with their own home base and their own territory, and they don't tend to interact with other ant nests that much. So if you destroy that one nest, they're basically gone. Right. With a super colony, it's like all the ants in the population are just sort of one big happy family. There's pretty much no territoriality. They don't fight over space. So if you destroy one nest or eliminate ants from a certain area, other crazy ants from, you know, the second cousin branch of the family (laughs) will just move right in as if nothing had happened. Right. So this is like the ants have finally got together to work out how to defeat people, right? So normally we have these ants and they're in their own little colonies and now they've worked out with teamwork, they can become become indestructible because we will destroy a bunch of their nests and then the other ones will just move in and so really it's just power in numbers but okay so is this but this isn't the great ant war right because i think the great ant war if i had to guess would be to would be ants versus ants yeah yeah you're exactly right so another interesting thing about the tawny crazy ants is that there's another kind of pretty scary ant species as well <laughs> Excellent. Um, in the southern US, the so same area called the fire ant. And uh, okay. I've heard of the fire ant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're actually also an invasive species, but they've been established in that part of the world for about 100 years and kind of already shaped the ecosystem a bit around themselves. Mm-hmm. And people are kind of used to them. Um, and what sort of, I guess, affected residents were saying with that, well, at least with the fire ants, you kind of know what, know what you're getting and they don't yeah form these huge super colonies and and swarms necessarily in the same way but they do have a really painful sting i think that's why they're called fire ants yeah that's my understanding right it's meant to be is it so it's it's not a bite it's a sting and it's just meant to be really like horrifically painful if you get yeah bitten or stung by one of these things yeah that's what i've heard i mean luckily enough i haven't experienced that myself yet um but yeah they have a pretty nasty sting but the crazy ants have actually found a way to neutralize the fire ant venom (laughs) of course they have it's like they're smarter than us already with their big second third cousin colonies ready to take over the world and now they've found a way to defeat the fire ant Yeah, exactly, which, you know, we humans haven't been able to. So what the crazy ants do is they have a special gland that secretes something called formic acid. That's the thing that makes them taste bad, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. Yeah. They taste sour, acidic. Yeah. Right? I I also am adding myself as someone who's accidentally (laughs) bitten into a sandwich that an ant had crawled into. Um, But anyway, so, yeah, they secrete the formic acid and they kind of smear it all over their bodies and that protects the crazy ants from the fire ant venom. So basically the fire ants that were previously kind of the dominant ant species in this landscape have now got nothing on these crazy ants. They have no weapons to use against them. That's good. And so obviously the crazy ants don't like the taste either. That's so, they're so clever. Okay. Okay. We've now we've done, we've done crazy ants. We've done great ant wars. Now I did also, because you told me to bring up the idea of a killer parasite, um, Matilda, and normally that doesn't come under something we would call good news. In this case, why is the killer parasite good news? Yeah, so the killer parasite is good news for us as humans because it's bad news for the crazy Ah, ants. Perfect. So these uh, researchers, Edward LeBron and Robert Plows, Plows, I'm not quite sure of the pronunciation, they're at the University of Texas at Mm -hmm. Austin, and in 2015 they discovered a fungus that can kill the crazy ants. 
So they were actually out just studying these invasive crazy ants and they noticed that some of them had really swollen abdomens. So that's oh. like the third section of the insect's body, you know, kind of like the stomach-ish, yep. um, that were filled with fat. And so they investigated and found out that there was this fungus that was actually getting into the ants and taking over their fat cells and using them to make lots and lots of more fungus. So that's oh. where the parasitism comes in. I mean, that sounds perfect and also a little bit disgusting. Yeah, it it is a little disturbing. Um, So (laughs) it turns out that quite a few crazy ants in Texas actually already had this fungus. And over eight years, these researchers from University of Texas were tracking the crazy ant populations and how the fungus was spreading through them. And every crazy ant population that had the fungus got smaller over eight years and 62% of them actually died out completely. Um, So according to LeBron, this was a bit unexpected because normally a disease doesn't kill off its entire host population. It'll kind of go up and down, creating these these waves or boom and bust cycles like like we've seen with a lot of um, infectious diseases in humans as well. Sure. And so does this have to do, is this because of the super colonies? They're all just hanging out, as in this super colony has come to destroy the ants. So it thought it was being clever and they're all coming together, but now it just means that they're really opening themselves up to just the fungus spreading? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a bit of an Achilles heel as well, having the super colonies because it helps them survive in one sense, but it also means that, yes, the fungus can spread really quickly because they are all mixing together and moving around all the time. Yeah, so it, so it sounds like that this fungus that kills ants is a good thing. <laughs> yes, I think uh, in most respects it is. So why? <laughs> I feel like we don't usually celebrate the de- – I mean, I understand that they're a bit of a problem, but often we don't – celebrate the death of things including animals yeah so it's a positive thing because we can adapt these sorts of diseases like the fungus for something called biological control of Mm -hmm. invasive species like the crazy ants so that's where you use kind of a natural enemy of the invasive species to control it. So like you might have heard before of certain viruses like myxomatosis. Oh, and or, like the Khaleesi virus. Yeah. And that was, that was for wild rabbits, right? But then also they, it got slightly dicey because some people's domestic rabbits caught it and died. Yeah, that's that's a bit unfortunate. So, yes, it was intended to kill feral rabbit populations yeah. in Australia. Um, that is a shame that it also if it also got to some people's pets, that's quite sad. Um, But the good thing about the crazy ant situation, I guess, is that no one's keeping crazy ants as pets, so you don't need to worry about that. And if they are, they shouldn't, and this will teach them a lesson. (laughs) Exactly. So when you think about biological control through a disease, you're looking for something that spreads easily. So tick, it brings the population down tick, and it's specific to the species you want to target. It doesn't cause harm to other species in the environment, which also seems to be the case with this fungus. So in 2016, LeBron and his colleagues from the University of Texas were contacted by some workers from a state park in Texas that was being basically overrun by crazy ants. Right. So LeBron said that they had a crazy ant infestation that was apocalyptic. There were rivers <laughs> of ants going up and down every tree. It's, look, it, it does sound terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, So he said he didn't really feel ready yet to test the fungus in this kind of larger scale experiment, but the park was kind of desperate. So they decided to give it a go and test out releasing this fungus in the park to try to kill the crazy ants. Yeah. And so how how does one go about killing a park of crazy ants with this fungus? (laughs) 
That is a very good question. So they got some ants they already had that were infected with the fungus and released them into the park. They put them in their own little nest boxes and then uh, they put bait. They put hot dogs around (laughs) the nest boxes of where the infected ants were living to attract the other ants so that they would mingle and pass on the fungus to each other. Oh, my gosh. Do you realise that I'm just as dumb as a crazy ant? I reckon if someone lured me with hot dogs, I'd be like, yeah, I'll go over there and do whatever you ask me to do. That's amazing. I love this. I love everything about this story. Okay, so we're now we've got crazy ants mingling with the slightly fungused crazy ants. Yep. And has like did that work? Yeah, it actually works really well. So within about two years, the crazy ant population, the infestation in that park had basically disappeared. And so now they're continuing to hopefully test out this biological control method with the fungus in other areas of Texas. Yeah, wow. And so in terms of like just getting back to obviously my hang up about Khaleesi virus and myxomatosis, I didn't have rabbits as a kid, by the way. I've got no idea why I remember this. But are we worried about this fungus sort of getting out of control and causing unintended consequences to maybe other species or even spreading back to South America sort of in the way that all those bunny pets died? Yeah, that's a good question. I I would say honestly, never say never just because through history scientists we haven't always been a hundred percent in predicting the sort of off target um effects of things that we do to the environment sure but i did ask um ed lebron about this and he said it's not very likely so since like they didn't introduce this disease it was already there in the populations in texas it's probably already there in the populations in south america they just discovered it and sort of directed it in a specific way but they just discovered it and directed it towards a specific place but it's going to be gradually spreading through the crazy ant population anyway most likely it's just that they were able to sort of finesse that in a way that is you know most beneficial for the ecosystem yeah and the fungus also doesn't seem to affect any other ant species so that's that's good news Yeah. Amazing. Okay, Matilda, this is probably one of my favorite stories I've ever heard. Thank you so much for (laughs) sharing that today. And thank you to everyone else for listening. Be sure to keep an ear out for our next installment of Cosmos Science Daily. This podcast was brought to you by Cosmos, a publication of the Royal Institution of Australia. 